Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello everyone and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about analytics, how you can analyze your website to get much higher results. And I'm excited to discuss this topic with Agnes Bansky. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Hello everyone. Yeah, it's a big pleasure because I check out your LinkedIn profile. You have extended experience with this topic. Before we start, just tell about yourself, your background, and why you decided to pay more attention with uh, analytics. Well, I've been doing analytics for the past 15 years, um, based primarily in London. Um, I also lived for a while in Mauritius, where I had my own e-commerce startup, which I didn't sold a few years ago. Um I've been doing all kinds of analytics, uh, but I'm particularly interested in marketing analytics and especially search analytics. So anything and everything to do with SEO and PPC, really just dig, digging deep into the data that is available and really using it in so many ways that most people probably don't even use it ever in that way. Um, so yeah, I've worked for so many companies um, Uh, consulting, working as an employee um, for oh, currently Trainline, um, then World Remit and uh, Nike, McDonald's and uh, Siemens for a while, a few media agencies, Yahoo, Badu. Um, I think that's that's mostly it. Um, um, my career really started in financial analytics. The first few years was really working for a credit rating agency. Um, in central London. Uh, I was not very interested in the financial side of analytics, but I was very interested in the technical side of analytics and really working with large volumes of data. Um, and then I gradually started moving towards more of a digital online businesses. So the rest of my career up until now is really been working with online businesses and even setting up my own online business. Um, it's been fun. Um, and now I'm currently setting up my own consulting business uh, where I offer my analytical um, kind of help training to companies uh, uh, independently. Mm -hmm. That's really it. Yeah, great experience. You know, you mentioned uh, well-known brands, I think, uh, the well brands. Okay. Um, tell more how to start uh, the same career uh, in analytics uh, because you know for, uh, my audience loves to learn uh, something mm -hmm. new new insights and many of them uh, are looking for ways to extend their skills and uh, for example when I provide analytics for my clients I usually uh, analyze uh, what they wanna get and uh, personalize the experience and uh, uh, From my experience, I get much higher results with companies or uh, people who understand the topic. Can you tell how to learn analytics and uh, uh, what is your loving way of uh, getting knowledge? Well, obviously, I went to university. Uh, I've got my degree and so on, but I never studied anything to do with analytics. Um, it was really all the curiosity um, and really want everything I've learned to be an analyst uh, that I am today is really self-taught. So as I, as I said, I started working in the financial sector, doing some kind of looking at balance sheets and P&Ls and all that. Um, I did not find it interesting at all, but I had this really drive to understand how I can 
access the data myself, those large volumes of data um, that usually are not available, just regular financial analysts. So I started from relearning um, SQL. That was the first thing I learned, SQL, which is it's a query for those who don't know. It's, it's a type of a query language um, that allows you to pull data from databases and, and do all kinds of analysis with it. Um, so Excel also, that's I really enjoyed working with Excel and again, work, working with large volumes of data. So um, yeah, everything starting from then was really self-taught on the job pretty much. It was the, the interest that I had, the curiosity in being able to do the things myself without having to go and talk to the IT department or anyone in the data team to give me the data. I wanted to be able to access the data myself because I wanted to have this flexibility to really analyze it in in ways I, I believe it would be beneficial to the business. Um, so yeah, I would just say the curiosity is very important um, and you need to want to learn. I've, I'm constantly learning and throughout my career, I've done all kinds of kind of additional courses, all of, like on Coursera, for example. There's so many things you can even learn like for free these days on the internet. Um, these days, to be honest, I don't have much time to learn. Everything I learn nowadays is really um, on the job. But back in the days, it was really going on Google and just searching for information and just taking it from there. And I think that the most important part of it was just the curiosity and wanting to learn and want, wanting to do the things um, and not having to depend on anyone else um, to provide you the data that you needed. Yeah, you know, uh, you unhided my methods of learning <laughs> because <laughs> I remember when uh, I uh, listened to uh, interview with Elon Musk and someone asked him how he started to learn more about space, about building space machines. And he replied that he started to read books. He doesn't uh, have Loads any special <laughs> special know, skills, knowledge. And yeah, I think if you want to learn something new, you don't need to get high education or something else. Just go to Google, YouTube, uh, type uh, your keywords and find a bunch of guides tutorials learn from them and uh, the most important is to practice them for example if you learn something and without actions you can forget yeah. uh, for a few days uh, probably for example i remember when i started to learn about some new methods if you don't use them if you don't try it uh, uh, you can't get high results because you forget about them yeah that's why definitely the best way to learn is just by doing things so when i started my online business my e-commerce business obviously i already had experience in in analytics and all kinds of like similar related to that things but then there's other things i did not know about so everything i had to learn on the job it was so uh, just fun learning and being able to apply those things straight away because it's really not cool having to learn things that you probably never gonna use mm -hmm. yeah okay uh, uh can you tell more about uh, difference between seo and pay-per-click because i think uh, uh marketers are looking for different data when they uh, analyze results from seo perspective and uh with pay-per-click where we need to pay more attention and and why so from my experience and i said as i i've worked for a number of large businesses so established brands um, and a very common mistake that I've always seen is the fact that SEO teams and PPC teams um, 
because there's usually two different teams. They really work in silos. They don't really communicate and talk a lot. So the way those, those kind of businesses work is each team, each marketing channel has their own targets they have to reach. Let's say a CEO team, they have to reach this amount of traffic or this amount of sales. And then equally paid search is, has to do the same. Um, and what often happens is they are working against one another. Um, and especially with those large brands, and you can imagine those, the larger the brand is, the, the higher the chances of them ranking organically very well on Google. So them doing paid search, so PPC, um, is often going to be leading to cannibalizing their own organic traffic, which would have come to their side anyway. So that's, I would say, the main kind of frustration that I get when I, when I just see how companies operate. Uh, and that's something that I personally try to challenge for the few companies that I worked for, I think quite successfully. So we kind of managed to merge those team, teams a little bit more. So they look at search and search data in a more holistic way. Um, because there's so many things that SEO team can learn from PPC team, from paid search team, and equally paid search team can learn as a lot from the SEO team. Um, and I'm saying specifically about the data. They have very different, well, very quite different data or tools that they, they tend to use. But let's imagine paid search team. Paid search team comes up with list of campaigns or queries they're going to be targeting, they're going to be trying to bid for. Um, but in order to maybe enhance the keyword set that they are bidding on, they maybe should be looking at the data that SEO team is usually accessing. So things such as Search Console. There's so much data in Search Console. And I hate the tool. The tool itself is annoying because it's very difficult to pull any insights from the tool itself. But once you extract Search Console data out of the interface and you build some, some sort of reports, you, you do a bit of data manipulation, just keywords grouping, monthly views, whatever you want to build. Uh, it's just such a powerful source of information that can be applied, not just by the SEO team, but also that by the PPC team. It's going to give them an idea as to where is the demand for. So let's imagine um, looking at Search Console, one may identify a set of keywords for which there is a lot of demand. So a SEO team is getting a lot of SEO impressions, but maybe they are not ranking organically very well for those keywords. So it's very difficult to get traffic from that. But that's what PPC team can then do easily, right? Because they don't, they are not dependent on the organic position. They are not likely to be cannibalizing SEO since SEO is not ranking well. So PPC team can then get that traffic through obviously paid, paid campaigns. And vice versa. Let's say um, I see a lot of cannibalization, as I said earlier, a lot of cannibalization happening with large businesses. Um, and many businesses like to spend on PPC brand keywords. So let's say you are Nike and then people are searching for Nike on Google. Why would one want to bid on that keyword? Why would Nike want to bid on that keyword, assuming that other companies are not bidding on that keyword, right? It's going to lead to um, cannibalizing its own um, organic traffic. Um, and there's so many other examples I can give of how those kind of two, in theory, different teams can really collaborate together and learn from one another. Um, 
And I would say also this another kind of more um, business-wide um, kind of benefit um, of using search data um, and even just search console data is to also really understand what's happening in the market. Um, let's assume that you're ranking organically pretty well for a given set of keywords or a given keyword. You can really use that data to understand what's demand. Is, is demand changing? Are people just not looking for those things anymore? Right? Mm -hmm. Like with Trainline that I work for, for many years and they sold train tickets. Um, and obviously there's, especially now with COVID, right? You can imagine there's fewer people searching for certain terms. Um, and we can use Search Console data to kind of validate those assumptions. We know exactly how search demand changing. And then obviously we will know how that might be impacting our search traffic, not just SEO traffic, not just PPC, but both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, valuable. Love it. Okay, uh, you mentioned about Google Search Console. Uh, for me, it's the best tool. <laughs> I think it's a must-have today, uh, especially if you are talking about SEO, because we can uh, get the accurate data, more accurate data than HRF, SEMrush, or any other paid tools that where you need to pay money. But you can uh, check out your ranking positions, uh, and uh, it's too uh, more important for SEO, not pay-per-click. I think that uh, uh, for pay-per-click campaigns, uh, Google Analytics um, yeah, yeah, is awesome too to check it out. Uh, can you tell uh, more about um, uh, users' behavior? Uh, for example, uh, if we use uh, paid marketing or SEO, we need to analyze user experience, how people uh, um, uh, pay attention with our pages, and we have uh, the parameter that's called uh, dwell time. Uh, when uh, people open uh, search results, uh, come to your page and uh, get back to the search results, and yeah, it's not good, it's negative uh, uh, format. Uh, how? Uh, but you know, people can open your website to get all this information, spend uh, uh, um, 30 seconds, or, or even uh, without uh, making any other clicks, just leave it, but uh, don't get back to the search uh, system. How to analyze? Uh, is it good or not? Because if we have a high bounce rate, like, uh, I don't know, 80, 90 percent, but uh, users get all necessary data and uh, don't uh, get back to the search system, but we don't know about that. How to be, uh, I often get this question uh, that I have 90 percent of bounce rate, what I need to do. But if you run high, that means <laughs> probably your page uh, has helped a lot with that. Can you tell more about analyzing this parameter? Well, it's it's uh, in this particular example, if there was a 90% bounce rate, I would be worried. Um, but obviously worth checking really what's happening. Um, if the page is a page where you have to scroll down a lot down the page, then obviously I would track that information in Google Analytics using GTM. Are people scrolling? So it's not just are they viewing the page, but are they scrolling down? But the other thing, just to kind of validate if there is an issue, I would look at um, return rate. Are people coming back again? Um, because if they are not, and the bounce rate is 90%, to me, it's clearly a problem um, and a risk of this impacting negatively your, obviously, organic rankings on Google because Google does not like users bouncing back from your website very quickly. It's going to obviously penalize you. Um, for that. So I would probably validate that bounce rate using some kind of other metrics such as uh, return rate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, okay, um, let's talk uh, more about uh, 
personal uh, personalization for example uh, for pay-per-click campaigns uh, we might use uh, a few landing pages uh, uh, i don't remember exactly where i got the study uh, probably from hubspot uh, that um, they used uh, 200 Uh, landing pages uh, for some campaigns to personalize experience as maximum as possible. For SEO, uh, you mentioned about cannibalization. It's not good. We can't use uh, uh, 200 pages with similar keywords because uh, you will compete with yourself. You don't need to find competitors. <laughs> you can do it with your website, with your content. But uh, for um, uh, pay-per-click, we can do it Yeah, for PPC because uh, uh, it's, uh, it costs a lot. To get users to your website you pay it for clicks uh, can you tell more about personalization how to personalize experience how to learn uh, customers users uh, before they land your page and improve this experience uh well i would say that obviously testing right and with ppc mm-hmm. it's obviously much much easier with seo you obviously have one page of a given time and you want and you don't want to end up with two very similar pages because again um google isn't going to see it in a good way so the best way to test your pages and are they personalized well enough is using ppc um and apply those learnings across not just ppc landing pages but equally also towards seo pages because with seo it's much harder to test um anything and when the benefit also of testing using ppc is going to be the fact that you get that better quality data probably yeah, compared to what you get um, with the SEO tools. So the query level data is probably going to be just more um, accurate and you have a really full control as to what you are um, testing and on which customers. Because what's important is also the intent. The, obviously the different intent is going to be different type of personalization. So you need to be personalizing based on the very specific intent that that person is searching. So based on what they are searching on Google. So the more uh, granular obviously going to be the better in, in terms of um, getting the biggest uplift. Uh, you know, uh, if we are talking about testing, I think it's a great approach if you have traffic, if you have yes. it. But if you have no traffic, if you start from scratch, if you created new pages and want to get traffic, uh, what to do then, you know, for new projects, for new pages, how to test them uh, without traffic? Um, Do we need to rely to our skills that we have to analyze competitors or any other insights how to help uh, such pages? Well, with little no traffic, obviously you have to have the right UX team. That's pretty much mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty much it. And just talking to teams within your own organization, or just talking to people, friends, whoever you can talk to, just to get um, kind of their um, their perspective. That's really all you can do in this case. But uh, the, the the right team, like UX designers, or web designers, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, that's a must in this case. And okay. as as you're scaling, as you're scaling, you're able to to, to test. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I want to uh, talk with you about uh, priority. Um, you know, uh, I often see when webmasters are looking for uh, their own metrics, for example, for high volume keywords that it's hard to compete, especially if you start from scratch, or uh, they want to uh, cover a lot of pages with, with limited resources. And uh, I remember when 
uh, I made audit for my client and asked him uh, what he's going to uh, do. And he replied to me, no, I'm going to write all tags uh, for these pages. I, I told him, don't do it <laughs> because it's not our priority. You can uh, uh, write this alt text, but we are not going to uh, promote these pages. Uh, without ranking, you, we can't get um, traffic from image search. And uh, I often see when uh, websites are looking for um, many pages, for many keywords with limited resources. Can you tell how to find the right priorities uh, and yeah, uh, to get results? So I'm not sure I got your question right, but I can tell you um, if you have a way to dynamically create more content, more pages, why would mm -hmm. you do that? Obviously, if you have, you are limited in terms of resources and time and you don't have this kind of tool or solution in, a, in place where you can easily, quickly create those pages, it's like large businesses often they have a way of creating tens or not even hundreds of thousands of pages very, very quickly. Um, and I don't see why you wouldn't do that, as, as, obviously, as long as you're not leading to just duplicating completely content. Uh, um, okay, uh, let, let me clarify a little bit. Uh, for example, uh, we have limited resources. Uh, with limited resources, uh, I can't create 10 high-quality pages. For example, even Brian Dean uh, uh, creates one page a month. Uh, by the way, Sam Rush uh, took his uh, <laughs> blog and probably he will not do it. Uh, but, you know, uh, and he got uh, good traffic, you know, big traffic. Uh, and... Um, uh, uh, for example, if uh, I have in my team only uh, two copywriters, one designer, one uh, editor, I can't create uh, many pages at scale. Of course, I wanna, I wanna do it. I wanna uh, cover all uh, related keywords, but uh, it's better to choose priorities. For example, I, I usually um, search for pages that have a lack of quality content, outdated information, low competition, and I know it's better to cover them than uh, try to uh, promote all keywords online. It's the same with uh, PPC. Uh, uh, for example, if I have only, uh, I don't know, uh, a thousand um, uh, euros in month uh, and uh, I can't uh, market all keywords for my business if uh, cost per click is uh, one to dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, okay. So in that case, that's just another another way of using the data that you hopefully already have some data. If you have already some data, let's say in Google Analytics, um, from the previous history. Um, you can look at Google Analytics and see, uh, I try to identify type of content that drives high quality traffic as opposed to just large number of, like a lot of traffic. It's just really focused on the quality as in which, what type of traffic or what kind of content is, is are people engaging with? And just, just keep on repeating and just reiterate and just keep on creating similar-ish content that is driving good quality traffic. I, I personally, even in my even on my website, used to get traffic for some ridiculous pages, which really are meaning, meaningless to, to my business and to what I offer. Um, I've kind of changed that tactic and I really focus on creating pages which are really relevant to what I have. 
to offer. Mm -hmm. And although the amount of traffic or impressions is is much smaller, it's just much more relevant. And that's really what I care for. And that's important when you have limited resources and you have to prioritize. Just focus on what is really relevant to you and to your business, providing that you can offer that solution or whatever the people people are looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We have the question about uh, e-commerce store. Can you... uh share some strategies uh, what to use for uh, e-commerce store so i pers- for e-commerce store i personally use shopify um i i opened the first online supermarket in mauritius mauritius is an island of 1.2 million people uh, mm-hmm. so we were um working with the entire island pretty much for delivering um and we used shopify and i was extremely satisfied with the whole the, the platform and and that was a few years ago, and they've made a lot of progress um, since. I would probably not recommend any other tool. I know there are some other tools nowadays, but I think Shopify is still ahead of everyone else. And I, I believe even Nike is using, or some very large brands even using Shopify because it's really a good tool. And there is mm-hmm. also another benefit of that is that there's this community, massive community of experts. And sometimes you might not be able to make a given modification yourself and you want to spend big bucks on that there are gurus experts that can really do that quite um quite cheaply so there's a big community that you can also um, benefit from okay uh what do you think about uh, using shopify for seo uh because uh, according to few studies i found that uh, wordpress websites get much more traffic you know uh because of open code a bunch of plugins uh, i use myself you know for my website uh can you tell more about shopify because uh, i had this issue with uh, some of my clients they can't optimize their websites they can't uh, create uh, all content they want to create because they have some uh, limits you know they can't do a, a lot of stuff uh can you tell more about that <laughs> I think when it comes to Shopify, it's all really up to what apps you're using. So if you had the right apps, I sorry, but I don't remember exactly the app we were using, but we were pretty happy with it. And we were ranking on positions one, two and three of Google most of the time, especially for our high quality keywords. So, um, yeah, we were doing pretty well. Um, yeah, we're doing a very good job in terms of SEO and we are, mm-hmm. we still are. So as long as if you have the right app, and you know how to use it, you're actually using it. Um, I think Shopify is really not a problem here. Shouldn't be a problem. I don't say it should be a problem. Okay. And great. I can I just say also on WordPress, like I tried using it a few times and I hated it. Like I did not have a good experience with it, the plugins and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just yeah, I'm not a big fan. I think uh, all platforms have advantages and disadvantages, yes. Uh, uh, For me, uh, WordPress is uh, more simpler to use because I have a team of web developers, designers, content managers, copywriters. If you have more of this team, it's better to choose something else. You know, yeah, Shopify. Uh, On Shopify, you can do it yourself, many things, uh, but uh, you have some limits. Uh, On WordPress, uh, when I create task, I just give the task to my team and that's it. You know, uh, I check out uh, content on my website. Okay, we have the question about um, analyzing technical uh, issue. uh, how to define high quality in code tech site which support the best SEO? 
not sure I understand the question here. Uh, I think um, I, I can reply to this question if I understand the right way. Um, uh, I like to analyze technical issue on Google Search Console. It's free. You know, you can open and check out all technical issues that you can find. Mm -hmm. PageSpeed Insights is awesome tool. Uh, for example, my team created the tool that analyzes the whole website uh, for all pages because on PageSpeed Insights you can check out just one uh, page one time. But with our tool, if you want to use it, you can analyze all pages. And uh, Screaming Frog, uh, many other similar tools. Uh, just search on Google; it's not hard to find them. Just analyze uh, Jitmetrics, many other tools. Ahrefs, Semrush uh, provide this service as well. Yeah. So it's up to you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm not an expert in technical SEO. Uh, I've usually looked at kind of either aspect of SEO, but definitely SEO, technical SEO is also important. And the search console is the tool I would go for. Okay. Uh, you mentioned about uh, cannibalization. Can you tell mm -hmm. more about that? Why it's important uh, to uh, pay attention with cannibalization uh, and uh, how to avoid these issues for, uh, for websites? Um, so when I talk about cannibalization, I'm specifically meaning um, the potential harm that PPC can do to your organic traffic. Um, and obviously that will only happen in, this, in a case where you are ranking organically well. Um, so again, let's let those many large brands um, for certain keywords, they will rank organically very strongly. Position one of 10, position two, and so on and so forth. Um, and let's assume that... Um, competitors are not bidding on that given term. Um, having PPC or paid ad appearing ahead of the organic result is really not adding any value. The only thing it's, it's mostly doing is just really taking away from the organic traffic. And that especially happens on mobile web. So mobile web obviously is a small device. And if you are bidding on a given keyword, um, it, people will have to scroll down before they actually see the organic results, right? So why would you wanna pay for that same click that you might have gotten at the most likely anyway for organic? And obviously you will never get, let's say you switch off PPC for that term that you rank organically very well for. Obviously you will not always get exactly 100% of the traffic back, but you will get close to that number. So um, what large, especially companies with large budgets uh, they can do they can identify like, kind of with the tools or the insights i've been providing uh, they can identify um keywords um for which uh, they are ranking organically very well and shift that spend towards keywords where they are not ranking organically at all or they are ranking somewhere at the bottom so what it's doing shifting that spend towards where it's most more incremental is really increasing their roi and it's not just increasing their PPC specific ROI, but it's more importantly, increasing the kind of net ROI, the true ROI of your paid search. Mm -hmm. um, that happens in particular with brand campaigns. So brands, they bid on their own brand terms on Google. It happens a lot. It does not happen in all markets because there's different regulations. Um, but in certain markets, it's not even permittable to be bidding on competitor terms on Google. For example, in Germany, you can't, let's say you're selling, let's say, what is it? Deutsche Bahn, Deutsche Bahn, right? It's a, mm -hmm. They sell train tickets. Um, train line, 
who, that is a UK-based business, they are not allowed to bid on DB interim money because that would be breaking the law. Um, so let's say you are Deutsche Bank and you know that no one else can bid on your terms. Why would you want to bid on your, on your own terms? This traffic is going to come to you anyway through organic clicks. So that's really what I'm talking about. It's about really identifying the terms where um, are, they are likely to be cannibalized in your own organic traffic and spending that, that budget towards keywords where you know they are going to be more incremental. So keywords for which you're not ranking on Google at all or you're ranking somewhere at the bottom of page one. Yeah, you know, I'm interested about your feedback. I, I have another tool uh, that helps to uh, group a list of keywords. Uh, 40,000 keywords you can group uh, for a minute. You know, it's interesting to learn <laughs> and get your feedback. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'll share this tool with you. Uh, okay, um, we have the question about uh, where we need to pay attention or focus uh, for getting good SEO results or concept <laughs> for me it's always been about the content the right them the relevant content and good user experience and especially now with the changes that google has been implementing and uh, the user experience is becoming increasingly increasingly important so don't get too obsessed about how many keywords you get and you got stuff in your website with too many keywords and eventually you're gonna get penalized for that so really Put yourself in the user perspective, in their own shoes, as if they are visiting your website and give them the best possible experience. That's really what you should be doing. Yeah, you mentioned a few times penalize, you know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's scary word, you know, <laughs> uh, in our world. Uh, you know, um, I, I want to reply to this question as well. Uh, for me, uh, if you want to get high SEO results, uh, you need to find the right strategy with topics that have a lack of quality content, outdated information, low competition, and to implement uh, these topics with patience, you know, because uh, you can't get high results for a few uh, days, weeks, even months, you know, it takes uh, years, you know, to get the results. And for example, even I remember Brian Dean, when he started to promote uh, exploding topics, he spent a few uh, years if i remember correctly you know to get the first meaningful results and he started with uh, getting uh, authoritative links that means even brian dean with his experience he couldn't do it fast so uh, patience is your best friend if you want to get results uh, just go step by step and pay attention to priorities don't try to get all traffic online just <laughs> to choose priorities and yeah be patient with that yeah, just keep on doing the right things and it will it will pay off eventually. And even for the business I had, in fact, both of the businesses, it's been the same that it was hard at the beginning, but we were just stuck with it. We continue to do the right things and eventually we started to rank um, well. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have the question. It's an interesting question, you know. Uh, we have a lot of backlinks, but we have no uh, good referral traffic. <laughs> Can you find the balance between this? It's not about the quantity, right? It's about the quality of the backlinks. In fact, again, going back to cannibal to Google potentially not cannibalizing, but penalizing your site is is if if it. If it looks too good to be true, probably is, right? It's If it looks too spammy, Google is not going to like that. So, yeah, just what are those backlinks? Are they really quality backlinks? Because if they are not driving traffic, like, what's the point? 
Yeah, exactly, exactly, guys. Don't try to cover to get a lot of backlinks. You know, you can get uh, one, two backlinks, but authoritative is much better than a thousand others. You know, uh, uh, probably 10, 15 years ago, we uh, tried to get a lot of backlinks, and uh, uh, I remember when uh, I got uh, high volume keywords uh, for a few months, just. Uh, uh, I bought more backlinks than uh, my competitors. We got awesome results. Today, it doesn't work. Forget about this. Google uh, can understand uh, the quality of links. And it's better to uh, get a few links, but high quality. Learn more about uh, white hat SEO, how you can get them. And yeah, it's more important today. Okay, we have uh, the question, which activity should we do in off-page activity so that we can improve our ranking to, the, to get maximum results? Uh, maximum traffic yeah it's more about uh yeah it's the same question you know it's more of a yeah and again technical um backlinks yeah but quality backlinks mm -hmm. but also i would just say uh, another thing that people don't really talk enough about is just pr even just the fact i'm talking to you right now right <laughs> it's yeah. in a way it's it's part of marketing it's part of online marketing it's just raising the awareness and just yeah, driving that awareness um, is uh, th that's another aspect that people often overlook. Exactly, exactly. Okay, uh, you know. Uh, by the way, uh, it's a good way to get links uh, when you take part on uh, podcasts, when you share value, when you speak there. You can get backlinks from websites and these websites. Uh, I mean, like podcast pages, and uh, these pages get links from iTunes, Google um apple you know yeah awesome links and it helps to get uh, to increase your authority i remember when uh we uh, spoke uh, on a few podcasts for our clients we got uh, high domain authority and uh, yeah it creates a brand awareness as well so you can find podcasts in your niche share value uh, speak to them and it helps to create brand awareness as well a very good way yeah, but also use the tools that you have, such as Search Console, to create new content. Mm -hmm. I, I keep on looking at Search Console and just use it to come up with other content that potentially um, may, may, may be driving traffic to my to my site. And that's, to be honest, that's currently my number one strategy is just creating the right type of content. And uh, Search Console helps me to kind of come up with those other ideas. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, creating high quality content. For example, um, I often cooperate with some clients, even big clients, you know, big companies, uh, and uh, they reply to me, we have no copywriters, we don't know how to create high quality content, we can't write even simple texts. Uh, 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 and how to help them. Uh, for example, uh, 10 years ago, we had a team of copywriters who wrote content about everything. Uh, this content uh, ranked well. Today, it's not. You need to find copywriters who understand the topic, who ha uh, have experience with that. Uh, how to help such uh, uh, clients uh, to create high-quality content and how we can estimate that this content is high-quality? Uh, if they can't do it themselves, well, uh, first of all, it's it's a bit disappointing usually. Like, let's say you offer services like consulting or whatever it is, you really need to know your topic, your area. So, um, okay, let's ask, but anyway, 
let's put in that aside, let's assume they, they can't write the content themselves, they can easily outsource that. Obviously, there are so many platforms that you can find good content creators. Um, but even more than that, um, nowadays, especially um, social influencers, like out, that's probably, I think, currently the best way to find someone to write your content. Because these people, these influencers, and they don't have to be big influencers, but with some sizable um, follow up, followers number, um, they can write the content they are passionate about, the, the, top, the, the topic they are writing about, plus they have this audience that they can potentially drive um, also traffic to, to your business and uh, help you to raise awareness. So use whatever platforms you can to find the right people to write the content for you. And I would start from um, influencers and whatever other platforms such as Fiverr and similar that you can go to. Um, but a good person, like a good content writer, because obviously there is, um, yeah, again, going back to not quantity, but quality of content. Um, and I think going through social influencers, um, that kind of gives you that... Um, assurance that these people are actually passionate about what they are writing about mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you know uh i want to tell uh uh some methods that we used to find great uh, copywriters we tried upwork and many similar platforms we couldn't find uh some uh target niche copywriters because uh, most of them write about everything and what we did um, uh, we uh, found uh, a bunch of uh, uh blogs uh then we uh took uh, their offers uh analyzed their uh results i mean like comments likes shares uh seo traffic and uh, after analyze we found a hundred uh bloggers we reached out to all of them uh, by the way we spent uh, three months to do it you know to reach out to them to find them to filter out and uh, uh only five percent of them agreed to cooperate with us 50 percent uh, even don't reply didn't reply uh, 45 percent uh, charge crazy prices and five percent yeah we, we cooperated with them and got it takes time you know it's really it takes time to find great uh yeah, specialists but once you find them but once you find them you can continue working with them if you're satisfied exactly yeah exactly uh okay uh, we have the question about user experience um uh, ah, no, no. Users will know the time of the website play a very important role. What do you think Definitely. about, yeah, about user experience? Well, that's number one thing at the moment. At the moment, is user experience, as, mm -hmm. as we said, as we said earlier, increasingly important. And Google will continue to come up with all kinds of way to measure user experience. And obviously, page load time, um, bounce rate, all of those things will be obviously part of that. Um, one of the many important factors. So definitely user mm -hmm. experience. User experience, I think I would say number one and content number two. Or oh, probably mm -hmm. they are kind of two, same, number one. <laughs> okay, I have the last question uh, to you about uh, your predictions in 2022. Where uh, webmasters need to pay more attention? Uh, which way is better to get traffic? And your predictions, uh, for example, uh, don't do something like this and do this. <laughs> oh, gosh, I wish I had a crystal ball. Um, well, all I can say, that may not be the most satisfying answer to you to hear, but um, I see so many changes happening currently in terms of the 
um, how people work, as you can see yourself, right, with COVID and everything. Um, it's becoming increasingly important for people, employees, consultants, whatever, to really do the things that they love. People spend more time on social media. So even just going back to that example I just said about finding content creators, probably you should be looking more towards kind of those social um, influencer type of um, platforms. But I think these are going to be increasingly important. Um, one other thing also I would say, search. Search is important and it will continue to be important, but the pool of searches that is happening on Google is declining. And that is declining for all sectors. So whether it's travel, whether it's whatever e-commerce, people are increasingly shifting to um, other ways of finding the information or finding the product, whatever. Let's say with Amazon. Amazon nowadays is the number one search engine for finding products. It's a fact. Um, people just go directly to Amazon. Um, more often than not, probably it's, a, it's an app. So, and we see that everywhere. Travel, let's say you're booking flights. You probably have an app on your phone um, where you do your, all your news related to your travel, right? So the pool of people using Google for their daily needs or the amount of searches they perform is really declining. It's not like a very drastic decline, but it's going to decline. And because of that, Google, I believe, is, is, is concerned and they will be concerned. And they will be doing more of those things such as pushing organic results down the page. They will try to squeeze out as much as pound as possible from every search that happens because they know there's fewer and fewer people actually go and turn into Google, right? So there's less advertising money that they can earn. So they will be doing all kinds of things with organic results, really effectively hurting organic results, pushing them somewhere down the page, often really even reducing the amount of organic results they show on page one, just so that they can show more ads. Right? Yeah. And I think, I think it's a big threat to SEO at the minute, and which is why I have to kind of think forward and think about so why are those people shifting to, right? Obviously, they are shifting somewhere. They're not stopping to use internet and those digital platforms and so on. They are going elsewhere. So as an SEO expert, I think you should be looking or anyone just within that space or anyone in online nowadays should be looking beyond just Google because their behavior or user behavior is, is just changing. It's, it's going to app first, mobile first, Amazon, whatever first social on all those things are becoming increasingly important and that will be hurting uh, google organic results and uh, yeah that's it yeah love it love it and you know uh, guys i want to tell uh, about seo uh, of course uh, google uh, decreases uh, uh, your number of clicks you know many studies share that but you know uh, you need to check out seo in a different perspective for example with seo you can increase your uh, loading uh, 
page speed, you know, you can uh, create uh, high quality content. Even if you can't get traffic, you, you have these pages. You can use other resources because SEO ha uh, has many other advantages. For example, you can improve your website. Uh, you can get authoritative backlinks uh, and you don't need to have a thousand links. You can get uh, a few authoritative links and uh, it helps you, you know, to, uh, to, uh, to increase your authority, to create brand awareness. And uh, yeah, uh, today SEO still brings more traffic than any other channel. So don't, uh, don't rely a lot on SEO, but um, yeah, today uh, it's the best channel. Okay, thanks a lot for your time. It's a Thank big you. pleasure to learn from you. And uh, how, yeah, we have some other questions. By the way, you can ask uh, directly. Uh, please tell our audience how they can learn more about you, reach out to you, follow you. Uh, of course, they can find me on LinkedIn, but also I have my own website, analyticshacker.com. Um, so you can uh, schedule a call with me or send me an email or, or message or whatever if you if you have any questions. And thank you so much for having me today. It's been yeah. a pleasure. Yeah, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen us on Google, Apple, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Yeah, it's a big pleasure. Always welcome to see you back. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.